Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, we're going to get to some baseball a little later. You were at the All-Star Game this week with your son. Mm-hmm. Good time? It was a good time, but in the meantime, we have some Sixers stuff Can you <laughs> to ex- talk about because we're confused. So uh, we're going to have Keith Pompey join us in a second to explain uh, what the Sixers are doing exactly to us. Um, Jeff texted me earlier today that Rashawn Holmes is no longer a Sixer, and uh, I think and he TLC, thought that I was, he was, gone thought I was in mourning. Uh, TLC's gone. I, you know, I was wa- I was in on Wednesday. I was in the city, and they have this thing called Center City Sips, and you can go to these beer gardens. And TLC was there wearing a jersey that had his name on it, which I thought was a little not odd. not not anymore. Yeah, Keith uh, Keith Pompey is joining us from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, Keith, what is going on? <laughs> but besides, uh, hey, let me let, let me let me answer your question. You know the jersey he had on that was like for the French national team. I think they gave it to him. Oh, really? So yeah, yeah. You know he's from France. That was a, a hockey jersey. Yeah, the hockey jersey. See, you're teaching Jeff things already. You've yeah. been on ten seconds, and he's already learned something new. No, I'm not. Because I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I saw it in the summer league, and I was like, "Come on, dude!" <laughs> and then I like looked at it closely, and I was like. Oh, okay. All right. Now I found out they gave it to him, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, it's good that you had the same reaction. <laughs> so when yeah. we when we last had you join us, LeBron wasn't a Laker, Kawhi wasn't a Raptor. The Sixers had a whole roster. The Sixers had a much different roster. Um, can you bring me up to speed on on what has happened recently in the NBA and the Sixers, please? <laughs> you know, it's, this is oh, I, I, it's kind of hard. I mean, like it, it's crazy. Not really crazy, but you know, I, I think. The Sixers, okay, we all know that they, the Sixers want to get LeBron, they want to get Paul George, they want to trade for Kawhi. They struck out. And now all of a sudden, it just seems like they're, they're going to plan B. And, you know, if you look at Mike Muscala, if he stays with the Sixers, and, and then you look at another guy they're going after, Kyle Korver, these are two guys who, in their mind, can basically um, duplicate with Ersan Ilovisova and Marco Bellinelli did for him. You got a stretch four, and you have, you know, like a, a wing guy who can shoot threes, right? And then you're looking at it, they're getting rid of guys who basically, you know, you can argue, like, you know, Rashawn Holmes didn't play a lot of minutes, but Jonah Bolden is a guy who they were high on last draft. He wants to come over, so they basically replaced Rashawn Holmes with Bolden. You know, and they um, signed him to a four-year deal, right? Is that what yeah? I they saw? signed him. It's funny. Uh, not really funny, but okay. So if you look at it, Rashawn Holmes is going to make 1.6 million this year, non-guaranteed. Jonah Bolden's contract is 1.75. Right now, you can argue that the Sixers could have just waived him, and they would have been paying playing Bolden, excuse me, 150 thousand more. Well, what the Sixers did, they traded him because. They got a million dollars in cash for just trading them, it's so that's the reason why they traded them. Because basically, they didn't they didn't need them, they didn't want them, but they wanted to get the money. Wait, wait, so wait, wait, that, wait! Time, hmm? time, time out here. The, okay, the, you're, say, you're saying the Sixers don't need them. Look, we we've you and I are on the same page. Well, with, I'm with saying Rashawn. that's what they think. That's what they think. Right. That's their opinion. Yeah. So, so you you and I are on the same page that 
Rip Brown, it didn't look like he ever had confidence in him. Jason always wants him to play more. Well, I understood your position that Brown didn't want him. I just thought that he was being undervalued. Yeah, and trading him for a pair of shoelaces clearly showed that. But Jeff just wanted to get that line. But but Keith, my concern here is let's start just with Rashawn Holmes. Okay, Mm -hmm. fine. Let's say Jonah Bowden works out as as the backup four or five. What happens if somebody gets hurt? There's no depth here because I don't know anybody. I looked at the roster, at least what they have so far on the Bluecoats. I'm I'm not seeing anybody here that's going to be able to to handle that position when Joel and B needs to take a day off or, God forbid, gets hurt. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, you look at Amir Johnson, and, and the thing about Amir, I know Amir Johnson is a love-hate. You know, people love to hate him because he's not as athletic as Rashawn Holmes. But if you look at Amir Johnson – you know, he's the type of guy who comes in and he does the dirty work. You know, he's the guy that Ben Simmons and the guards love playing with because he frees them up and he allows them to get to the basket. So that's the one guy. Then you have a guy like Mike Muscala, who the, the 76ers, if he stays here. I was going to say, is he going to be in. here? Because I saw your tweet I mean, yesterday that Sixers may not be done. They may be looking for Yeah, they may not be done, but, uh, you know, we like one thing is they got rid of Rashawn, but people knew that they were going to get Jonah Bolden, and they're trying to get rid of um, Jared Bayless. I mean, they were trying to buy him out. It didn't work out. I mean, they could still possibly buy him out, but it's one of those things where they're trying to trade him. So that's another move. So the Sixers are trying to do as many moves as they can, but just getting back to the thing, there was a guy, and, and his name was Cameron Oliver, a guy who played in summer league. You know what I mean? Rashawn Holmes is 6'8". Cameron Oliver is 6'8". Cameron Oliver, has uh, his upper body is jacked. You know what I mean? He's jacked. He's a dunker. He's a shot blocker. And he can shoot threes. So he could be a guy who can come in and fulfill that role. Now, this is something that everyone has to basically, um, you know, have to be aware of. Now, Jonah Bolden said he wanted to come over, right? A lot of people were saying, hey, dude, you can say whatever you want, but the Sixers can send you back overseas if they want to. No, they could not, because the thing about it is, it's like if you draft a guy in the second round or whatever, it's one of those things, like if they say they want to come over and they can get out of their obligation of playing overseas, right, what she did, he had an NBA clause and he got out of it, it's one of those things if either you take him in or you lose his rights. If you don't sign him to a contract, you can lose his rights and he can become a free agent. So it's one of those things where you do not want to be like right now people are saying Markel folks is struggling, right? And then Jonah Bolden was supposed to be the second best, even though he was a second-round pick, he's the second-best guy in that draft class. So if Markel is struggling and then you let Jonah Bolden just walk out the door, it just doesn't look good. You know what I mean? So I can see what they did. You know, I know I like Rashawn. He was a great guy. Uh, He was a great defender. He was extremely athletic. But when you're the Sixers, I think they're looking at it like, you know what, we have this guy, Cameron Oliver. We we have Jonah Bolden. We have, um, you know, Muscala if he stays. And then basically we got a million dollars. Now, that doesn't help them with the cap. The million does, doesn't. But they got a million dollars cash for basically trading a guy that they probably were going to waive. Okay, so, so then they have, they get rid of Timmy, 
and they get rid Timmy. of Ju- Justin Re- Anderson. Yeah. So doesn't that deplete their backcourt depth? Um, it does. It does. And and I see what you're saying. But neither one of them played in the playoffs either, or, or in the Boston series. Justin played in the fourth game, the fifth game. But I had an impact. What you're saying. Huh? And he had, I mean, he didn't play a lot, but, but when he did get in there, he had an impact. I mean, he provided yeah, he a little grit. Impact. And, and, you know, again, you know, I, I think that, you know, uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. You know, I, I really do. But I also do believe that at least I hope for the, for the Sixers case, because you guys are going to get on them, and so are a lot of other people, I hope that they have an idea that they're bringing somebody else in. Well, and that's you know? my concern because you mentioned the Boston series and who and who didn't play. I'm not sure how this team as currently constituted is that much better to beat Boston with the players that they're potentially going to be having come back. No, they're not. I mean, you know, if you look at this roster right now, you know, again, we don't, you know, we don't know who's on it. But if you look at it as constituted, you know, uh, constructed at this particular time, it's, it's not – it's, it's not. I mean, you know, to me, it took a step back, and 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 I'm not like slighting the Sixers or saying anything about them, but you know, I know a lot of people say Kawhi, he's only going to go to Toronto for a year. Who knows if he's going to play? Well, I don't think Kawhi is 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 crazy enough to sit out a whole another year, because I'm pretty sure Toronto will probably won't pay him. They'll do what Sam Hinkie did to a player several years ago, right? Now, the, the second thing is, on paper, on paper, Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green, in my opinion, makes the Toronto Raptors better than the Sixers for this upcoming year. That was my follow-up it, question. Did the, did the yeah. Sixers lose ground with Kawhi potentially going to Toronto with what they're going to have there? I mean, it looks like coming back into the season, you know, at the end of last season, it was the Sixers in Boston battle, and coming back into the season... The Sixers are, you know, with their talent, look like they're kind of three behind Toronto and Boston right now. It may not shake out that way, but just looking at matchups. Exactly. And then not only that, here are two other teams who, like a team, well, I'm just going to say one team right now, um, the Indiana Pacers. That's a team that had the Sixers number, and they took an upgrade at their bench. You know, so, you know, it's kind of, and then the Washington Wizards upgraded their roster, the same with the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. So, it's you know, a, it's, it's, uh, we just have to see how all this is going to mess. But on paper, the Sixers are still, you know, one of the top three teams. But there are going to be teams that are coming after them. It just seems like there's another shoe yet to drop that we don't know about. Uh, I mean, I, I, or they have a lot, lot of confidence in, in all these young guys. <laughs> I mean, the, to me, the problem is perception more than it is reality necessarily because they set the expectations so high. With the we're going star hunting. I asked comment. you that a few weeks ago, yeah, and I and I I think you know if he and and again with the move that they made with the Villanova guy, it, it it's it's the perception. If you're a Philadelphia fan, I'm less enthusiastic, and I'm not sure if I'm less enthusiastic because I should be or because of the way that they tried to elevate expectations. What do you think, Keith? Um, I think at the end of the season. It was two days after they lost the game, and reality really hit in that they needed another superstar to get to the next level. I think that was real. I also think that that they won after all these guys, and they couldn't get them. And then afterwards, 
you try to make it seem like halfway through when you know you, you may not get them, star hunting goes to star developing, right? And I think that now, because you can't, you didn't get the guys you could get, you know, you say, well, we're going to develop our players, and we make it seem like perception was we, we overhyped it, but we're happy with what we have. I don't think they're as happy that they got, that, that you know, that they, that they got locked out and they didn't get the trade. They didn't make the trade because let's think about it. They traded. They made that trade, and they kept hyping up that draft pick or something that they could trade. Yep. You know what I mean? It was so treated I like think, a chip. Yeah, they treated it like a chip. So again, like you know, no one knows, but I just think that the fact that you know they don't have a general manager, you know, that I think that they thought that you know Brett Brown because he's well liked that he can go in there and he can go and, and, and persuade people, you know, to come. The fact that the team had Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, that it could happen, and it just didn't happen. And I think now, I'm not saying they're scrambling, but I think they're just trying to make some things happen. Now, again, the guys who they got rid of, we can say how we felt about them, but, you know, they're going to trade Jared Bayless. They're going to trade or cut him. Jared Bayless did not play. They weren't difference right? makers. You know, but, but, yeah, none of these guys who they're getting rid of now, regardless of how we like them or not, they did not play. They didn't play. They didn't get off the bench. So they're getting rid of them. Now, they, you know, regardless of what your opinion is, they just didn't play. So the Sixers feel like they can go out there and get other guys and, and who can help this team. Can they? You know, and then they are making moves because they're, they're, they are making stuff. They're not, this trade probably won't be finalized, the one that they made yesterday, until another nine days because they're trying to get everything together to clear up some space to go out and get someone. Are you, you know? are you hearing anything about who they might be looking nah, at? Nah, I mean, not, nah. I mean, you know, a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people are coming out saying Jimmy Butler, you know, they're saying all this other stuff. But they're just saying it because that's what they want. That's just people talking. Know? Okay, so yeah, so. I mean, like you know, people are like like yesterday, you know, and I hate to do it to people, but yesterday I tweeted out that the Sixers had discussions about, um, you know, trading Bayless for Kyle Korver, which is they had discussions about that. So that's someone they can bring in. But I, I go on Twitter today, and I'm reading. I go on social media. <laughs> And I'm reading stories where a guy said, Keith Pompey said the Cleveland Cavaliers are having discussions of sending Kyle Korver to the 76ers. So, you know what I mean? So, like, you know, you can't really go off of what's on the Internet right now. But I do know that that the Sixers had discussions about sending Bayless to, to Cleveland for Kyle Korver. But let's face it, when you have a guy who everyone in their mom knows that you're trying to trade trade or waive and you're trying to get equal value for that person, they may not try to give it to you. That's what didn't you make know? sense to me with that. Like why why would Cleveland do that? <laughs> well, the and only reason why Cleveland 37. would do it is because if you think about it, Cleveland will save a couple well, Cleveland will get Kyle Corvers off the books next year. Gotcha. You know, like you know, Bayless is making a million. I was about to say only, but a million is a lot to me. But Bayless is making a million dollars more than Kyle Corver. However, Kyle Corver has a contract for seven point five million next year, and three point four four is guaranteed. 
So if you're Cleveland and you're a team that has so many problems in regards to the cap, you know, that three-point right now you're in the mode of you just want to unload as, uh, as much salary as you can for next year. So that $3.4 million could go a long way. So that could be part of it. And if you look at Kyle Korver, he didn't exactly have a great season last year. You know, so, you know, they're looking like, you know, here's a guy who's 37. He's going to be 38 next year. Bayless is 29. You know, Korver is getting old. Let's see if we can just get rid of him, say goodbye, and then we'll have a guy like Bayless who comes off. If he works out, he works out. If he doesn't, he just comes off the books at the end of the season. Okay, Keith, Keith uh, I don't know if it's an elephant in the room or you're going to make us feel better, but is there something with the Sixers that people don't want to come here? It, it, because, you know, we thought we were that all these people were going to run to come here to want to play with Simmons and Embiid and Brett Brown. It, it didn't, everything didn't work out. And then you had this odd situation with Bielica or however you pronounce his that name. That was weird. Where he, he's going to sign See? and then he doesn't <laughs> sign. Now he ends up of all places in Sacramento. What, it, is there something or is it just, it just things didn't work out that there is nothing? Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm just going to ask you a question. That's going to be the answer to your question, to the question you asked. Like your answer is going to be the answer. Uh-oh. Who's running this show for the Sixers? That's what I keep asking. Who's making the decisions here? So, so as a player, so as a as a running the show, who's in the Sixers organization? Yeah, who's who's making the decisions? Well, the the the, to the public, the answer is supposed to be Brett Brown. No, to the to the agents. So you say? I mean, yeah, who's running? See, that's what I'm saying. We're saying to the public is supposed to be Brett Brown, and then you know. So the problem is, no one actually knows who's running the show. Right, you don't have a general manager, so even if you even if you come here, you know, again, everyone thought it was going to be different. But from what I'm hearing, is like if you're a free agent, you know, you know, do you want to go to a place where they don't have a GM? There's no like, and you don't know who's really running the show. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so it's so- like a hard situation. Now, here's something else. Like you know, you know, I guess the guy, I'm gonna call him B, the guy from Serbia. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, he accepted the deal, but then he thought about it and was like, wow, I can get more than one year for $4.4 million. And, you know, and, and you know, he's from Serbia. Um, you know, the people who run <laughs> who run the Sacramento Kings are, are from Serbia. You know what I mean? He goes back to Serbia in the offseason, and people are probably saying, do you sure you want to do that? You know, uh, they could take care of you in Sacramento. So, you know, I, I think it has that has twofold. It's like, you know, right now until the 76ers actually get a general manager, it's, it's kind of like, you know, recruiting in college football. You know, like if you go to the great school of Ohio State, they're telling you that Michigan's coach is about to get fired next week. And then there is no great school in Ohio State. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's no great school in Ohio State. <laughs> I, lo- I love how you use that as the analogy. Yeah, you should see what Jeff, Jason's Jeff, looking at my face. Jeff's face. He but, just couldn't okay, wait to but, but Keith, la- last time you were on, you, you were talking about David Griffin. Is is What happened with that? Did the Sixers have no interest in him? Did Griffin have well, no interest? Because that would seem to be the answer. The, and then you also saw Daryl Morey's right. name out there that they tried to get Yeah, but you know what? I don't know. Like, the Sixers are going after big-name guys. 
and stuff like that. You know, you know, sources. And at first, when a guy told me, the first source told me something about, you know, the Sixers going after or having interest in, um, you know, R.C. Buford. I'm like, dude, you're crazy. You know, ah, I'm serious. I'm serious. And then you talk to someone else, and they say it, and someone else. You know, so the the, the thing is. The Sixers, what they want to do is they want to have a collaborative effort, right? They don't want anyone who's going to come in and make, like, have, like, a dictatorship, so to speak. They want everyone to have a group agreement, right, a consensus. Well, they also want, they also want, they retain as many people in the front office as they can, Right. Now, if you're a big-name GM like a Daryl Morey, a David Griffin, a, a R.C. Bruford, you know, you're not going for this. You don't want this. You want to bring in your own people, and you want to be able to make your own decisions. Not a group thing. So that's part of the problem right there. So if, if you're Kawhi Leonard's agent, who did you call? in the Sixers organization if you wanted to talk about this? Did you call Brett Brown? I mean, did you call the an owner? person did you... who I hear is the guy who was doing, I mean, like, they do have a relationship with Brett, but a lot of the, the guy who, that's why I said who runs the show, because, you know, when you look at it, it's kind of like, you know, Brett Brown is the face, right? Um, but there's a guy in the front office, Ned Cohen, you know, who, Brian Colangelo hired him, but Ned Cohen used to work with the NBA office, and he has relationships with agents. He has relationships with team personnel from other teams. So Ned Cohen is likely the guy who, you know, the Spurs and, and, and you know, uh, Kawhi's, you know, family members spoke to. All right. I got, you know? I got my last question, and, and then we'll stop taking up your time this afternoon. You, you're talking Kawhi there for me. Um, could Greg Popovich have sent him any further away than where he wanted to be from L.A. to Toronto? <laughs> Yeah, but you know what? Here's the thing: if you can get rid of, if you can get past the winners in Toronto, you know Toronto is a very underrated, underrated city. I love Toronto, to be honest with you. And you think he'll end up playing for Toronto, and DeRozan will end up playing for San Antonio? Oh yeah, they're not stupid, dude. I mean, people like how many times do you hear about guys saying, "Hey, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there." But soon when it's time to get that first paycheck, they're like, hey, man, I really love it here. <laughs> I, I, yeah, would, I would pick Toronto over L.A. 100 out of 100 times. Well, we will. I, I would, too, but he's a guy from L.A., and let's get in, and he's not used to, he's probably not used to that 30, that minus 30-degree 30 weather that he's going to see on a regular basis come, come December. Well, we, you know? will, we will keep following you at Pompeii on Sixers for the next shoe to drop, hopefully, and uh, – can't wait to have you back on again to talk a little more about what the Sixers are doing. All right, fellas. Thanks for having me. Have a great one, Keith. Thank you. Bye. So do you feel better, Jeff? I do. I always I always feel better after I talk to him. I I mean he's he's got the right perspective. I don't. Why? What 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 don't you Because feel about? I haven't thought that much about it. Who's making the decisions in this organization? Well that that I don't feel better about. <laughs> like, but as far I feel as the, like but, we, but I, he's got a good he's got a good perspective on the players he's and, got and very good pers- and the pieces very and, and good perspective on the players but yeah. i feel like we got a train with some quality passengers that has got no conductor where have i heard that before i, I mean i just i mean we've seen other this never works with teams that do it this way like, doesn't I, somebody I have to make that. the decision and yes. and you know it just concerns me and i haven't really put that much thought into it because you know it was brett brown's gonna be there and i just 
Is this Chip Kelly all over again? I, I don't know what it is, and I don't want to like put it in a box of something else. No, but but it's concerning to me some of the things that have happened back to back to back. And and, and the other problem with it is 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 they want one thing that doesn't go with what they want. So if you want a big name, if you wanted. I'm not saying they were going after him, but if you wanted Pat Riley or you wanted one of these big names... They're not going to want to keep your people in? You, well, even if they would keep some of the people in, the fact is is you're going to have to give them total control. And, and so you don't go after the big people if you're telling them that they're not going to get control because you're wasting time. And when you waste time, look what happens. You end up with... You went star hunting, but you went with a little f- kid's fishing pole. And God knows stars. Yeah, and, and 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 that's a problem. So the the people at the top, meaning ownership, has got to figure out what they are, and and then just make decisions. Because this turned out to be an off season that could have been different, and is going to impact them at least for one season. And you it know, may we'll, even affect ticket sales. And we'll see what happens in the off season. It doesn't make you feel any better as a season ticket holder that it got an extra million dollars. <laughs> well, I may not be a second to season ticket holder. Well, that's we'll, a whole different. We'll story. see about that. But let's go back to wasted not because time. Because I don't want you, to. You did not waste time on Tuesday night. You had some quality time with your son on Tuesday evening. What do you mean I didn't waste time? You mean the fact that I was in a car for three hours in each direction? I think it was <laughs> probably a great experience. I thought it was cool. Somehow the numbers aligned, and this was the 200th time that you've checked in at a baseball game with your son for the yeah. Major League Baseball All-Star Game in Washington. It, 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 it just worked out that way. I mean, we happened to go to Pittsburgh the week before and went to a doubleheader. So if anybody else has the MLB ballpark app, you can check in. And my son and I only check in when we're going to the game together. And if our wife go, if my wife, you guys goes. watch a lot of baseball. Yes, we do. Because <laughs> that's this is just major league games. I know. So we we got we were sitting in Pittsburgh and we both looked at our app and said, "Wow, we've checked in 199 times. We're going to the All Star Game Tuesday." So it ended up that the All Star Game, which is always he's been to the single A, double A, triple A All Star Game. This has been his. You know, All right, so let me. I don't want to hear the the sports wait, wait, analyst answer yeah. of what it was like. I want to hear the dad answer of what it was like to watch your son at the All Star game. You said he got All Star fever going in there. How yeah, it cool, costs a lot when your kid gets fever at stadiums. How and, cool was that for you to to be the cool dad that brought your son to the All Star well, game? I don't know if I was the cool dad. He found somebody else. I mean, I don't think you're really cool. the cool he dad Mark either. Warner, but I, I didn't say you were the cool dad. Yeah. I said, how cool is it to be the dad that brought you? To it's the amazing. Game? I mean, he, he has had this passion on his own for this sport, and it's been fun to share it with him. And, you know, every that's when people say, I can't believe you go to all these games. It's, it's, it's a labor of love. I mean, to get you take him to a place that we've always said that this is his Disney World. And so we go to these games and it was an amazing game to go to. I didn't I've never really had an interest in going to it. To, I, I don't even watch it when it's on TV for the most part. You saw 10 home runs. The previous record was six. Yeah. But but the cool part about it is you're used to being in a stadium where there's the home team and then there's some away people. And in this case, there's people from all over the country and Toronto. So uh, there's just jerseys all over the place, uh, and it, it's just a different atmosphere than anything I've ever experienced in a sport before. 
how fun was it to see Aaron Nola pitch in the All-Star game and go up against Mike Trout? Yeah, so by the way, this this changed my perspective on something because I, I... I I saw that. Okay, so I'm going to preface this by yeah. you were not in favor of every team having a player in the All-Star Correct. game. Correct. I, I think that the people that are most deserving should get it. And and I saw your I tweet believed. after the game yes. that you have now changed your mind on that. Yes, because now having gone to the game, I realized when Aaron Nola... I waited for Aaron Nolan to come in the game. I wanted to see my guy. You know, I'm in somebody else's city, and everybody else's guys are there, and my guy is Aaron Nola. He's my he's the Philly, and he was the only Philly there. And when they did the introductions, I all of a sudden I realized I am so glad that there's somebody here representing my city. And so when he came into the game, you're on the edge of your seat because now my guy's facing the best players in the world. And he happened to face the top of the lineup, which was Mookie Betts and Mike Trout and Salvador Perez, and I forget who the other guy is. And he struck out two of them, and considering the number of home runs in that game. Gave up fact, a single to Altuve. That's that it. Was, that's, that's it. And it. He, he it did, must have bothered you gave up a single to the short guy. No. I, I like <laughs> Altuve. <laughs> but but th- it, that changed my mind. It was at that moment that I realized, you know what, it is important for the game for every city to have a representative. This was the first game in Major League Baseball history where both teams homered five times right in regu- either regular season, postseason, or exhibition. Alex found some good stats from the game. I'm going to give him a shout-out there for you, Dad. <laughs> um, By the way, the other thing that was great about the All-Star game, no shift. I don't know if they dictated that there was no shift, but people played in their – it was nice to see. Why am I not surprised that you noticed that? All the pomp and circumstance going yep. on. People no in red, shift. white, and blue on the field. No shift. All, all this great stuff. Yep. The Washington skyline, fireworks, the Bryce over, Harper, the fighters. Fire, and you're looking at the shift. The shift. Yep. <laughs> oh, I'm going to leave it there. Let's go to break. When we come back, we've got an interview with Pat Borders. We've got our High Hopes Phillies minor league rundown segment. Stick with us. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.NewJerseyShares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the Heart of Sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the Heart of Sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the High Hopes Phillies Minor League Rundown on 610 ESPN. I'm Jason Springer here in studio with Jeff Cohen. Jeff, uh, we talked a little All-Star game before the break. Uh, back into the second half of the season, minor league teams in the second half of the season, Major All League our Baseball. All prospects are still here. All right, so Manny Machado is not a Philly. Correct. So I had asked you all week, there was a debate about, you know, the, the Phillies were willing to include Adonis Medina. Mm-hmm in the deal, but not Sixto Sanchez. Mm-hmm. 
Um, are you still okay that the six that the Phillies did not move Sanchez for Machado? Well, I never know what the actual deals are. They didn't say who the other prospects are. Yes. If Manny Machado said he was going to stay here, which I think he would have, but I, I don't know what was going on behind the scenes, I would have traded Sixto Sanchez. Because I look back and I remember very distinctly the debate for Roy Halladay. And there was, remember, there was the trade discussions back and forth. And if you remember. Who do we give up for that? So so it was Kyle Drabeck, Doug's kid, who was a hard thrower at the time, but had some uh, Tommy John surgeries. You had... Dominic Brown, who they would not relinquish, Michael Taylor, and Travis Darnode, who's now on the Mets. And remember, the, the holdup was they wanted Dominic Brown in the worst way, and we said he is untouchable. Now, ultimately, they got that deal done. We luckily got to keep Dominic Brown, and I'm saying that with some sarcasm. <laughs> sarcasm on your face uh-huh. is wonderful. And, 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 but prospects... As much as we follow prospects and we're invested in prospects from the business perspective of the parent team, when you can get somebody with Manny Machado's skill who is a real potential Hall of Famer, right? Does it matter? Uh, So I I would ask the question, would you trade Cal Ripken for Pedro Martinez? Because everybody's comparing Sixto to maybe the next Pedro Martinez, okay? Let's say he turns out that way. If you still got a lock hall of everyday Hall of Famer, are you going to make a trade? And the, I, to me, the answer is yes, especially now. Windows open and windows close. And Manny, the thing that, this, that the Phillies need is not pitching. What they need right now, they, and you and I see when we go to these ballparks, there's plenty of prospects who can pitch right now. The Phillies have, are stocked with arms. They need hitters. They need hitters up here. And there, there aren't a lot at AAA that are going to solve the problem right now. They may be younger, but that takes time. You have Manny Machado that's right knocking on your door and could have driven up the highway and could have been in your stadium. Without Manny Machado, as a 53-42 and 42 team starts what technically is a second half, even though they're already at 95 games, does attendance improve? I mean, they literally only have to win 34 more games, and they're at 87 wins, which is the same of, as three no, of the last four. No, I, well, I think they're going to they're going to have the same problem that the Sixers have is is that in this city and a lot of cities, but in this city, we tend to overreact. We're too high no. and we're too low when we don't need to be. There's no even keel, and and the hopes got up. I mean, if you read, so I looked at some of the comments on Twitter and stuff like that. And people are literally, I had to look out my window to see if the sky literally hadn't fallen on my house (laughs) because we didn't get Machado for four months and we still have a chance to get him in the off season. They, you have to trust the people that we have and the people that we have in place, by the way, are Orioles people. Andy McPhail, it was the Orioles president. Matt Klintak was an Orioles guy, more people and, and they know him very well. I'm I'm still confident that unless the Dodgers win the World Series, he's coming here. The question for then becomes, let's say that happens. Did they miss out on an opportunity to maybe catch lightning in a bottle for this season? Well, and that's the comparison you get to yeah. the Eagles last year, sort mm-hmm. of going for it when people didn't think their team was quite there. Right. The Phillies, are they going for it without making that move? It was sort of the question that was asked. Let's talk a little bit about the minor league teams for a little bit. We are headed back to Reading this weekend. That'll be fun. It's, it's always gonna, fun there. It, it's 
you know, they, they have a lot of great guys there. The organization, it's one of the best ballparks in America. You know, it's called America's Classic Ballpark for a reason. Um, and I think we're going to see a lot of good double-A players that are on their way up. Jojo Romero, who we've interviewed before, is still there. Uh, I keep waiting for him to be called up to AAA soon. He's, he's, he's a very good pitcher with a lot of pitches. And he's, he's in there. I think Jojo, in Keith Law's most recent um, top 50 for the, the midseason, has now included JoJo in their top 50. I think he's number 48, along with Sixtos in the top 50. Have you been satisfied and impressed with the way that the minor league system has advanced players this year? What do you mean? In terms of moving some of their players up, they've they've continued to replenish. They they've they've moved up. You know, and now Hazley's at Reading, Hall's at Reading, and and so have is it what you expected yeah. this season in terms of the movement of the players? Yes, I could see why you're surprised by it, but but the way that this the way that minor leagues worked is around this time is when they start to move up. So there will literally be people that retire, which there were recently a couple retirements. There'll be people that move up, and then there'll be people that just they need a whole season in the same place. So we're now at that point where they're going to get their last month of the season at where they think they're going to be ready for for next season. And and I think that's that's why Hazley was moved up, and that's another guy we're, we're hoping to talk to for a little bit this weekend. Hazley, as Greg Legg put it, who's their manager, said this is where he belongs. It seems he's, like He's it. that advanced at this point. He's moving along. He's an interesting guy. I didn't realize that he was a, as good a pitcher as he was when he was in college, but he's now focused just on hitting and fielding, and I think that that has improved his game greatly. Well, and you mentioned the double-A manager. A few weeks ago when you were out at Williamsport, you talked to the single-A manager, Pat Borders, a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. A little, little fun conversation? Pat Borders is is an incredibly interesting guy. Everybody should have a chance to talk to him. He, he is such a nice guy. He's a character. I wish I could tell you everything, but I can't. But he 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 really has an interest in helping the young guys. And when I say the young guys, the guys that have just been drafted or the young guys that are coming over from another country. And he's got the demeanor to he knows when to step on their foot and and yell if he needs to and when to talk to them. And and as usual, he's a catcher. And a lot of catchers become the best managers. And I've only listened to parts of this interview because I wasn't with you. You asked him about killing my kid dreams in '93 with the run. I mentioned it. I, I mentioned it briefly. I actually talked to him more before the interview started. But uh, <laughs> All right. he didn't seem too sympathetic. He didn't seem to care no. very much. No. All right. Here's our interview with Pat Borders. All right. We're here in Williamsport, PA, at Historic Bowman Field, and you're here with the manager, Pat Borders. Pat, how you doing? Very good. Good to see you all. Thanks for, thanks for joining us on the show. So uh, we want to talk to you a little bit today about what it's like to be managing uh, down here at uh, Williamsport, PA. That's enjoyable. It's a small town. There's always a lot of excitement here. Uh, kind of reminds me of the town I uh, was grew up in, southern Ohio. It's uh, kind of an old, older town, older buildings. Everything looks the same as it did there, and uh, the, the people here are genuine and uh, very friendly. How many years have you been here? This will be a fourth season. And you enjoy coaching at this level? Yeah, it's good. You get uh, some of the younger kids out of Latin America. Uh, they're eager to learn, uh, very energetic. And then you get a college kids just recently drafted, and, and they, they're very receptive to, to anything you say. They're like sponges and uh, eager to please. So one of the things that, that i got to imagine that it's a little hard is, is that you're dealing with kids 
that they really are. They're, they're young men, but they're kids who are just getting out of, some, in some cases, out of high school. In some cases, they're 17 years old, coming from another country. What is it like having to mold those kind of kids? That's actually fun. Uh, they all have their different personalities. You, you know, talking to them, getting other personalities, and, and drawing uh, humor out of them. Their their personalities, because generally they're really reserved. They, they respect the title of manager, so they they're not really themselves. They they, they they're kind of humble and quiet. And then the more you talk to them, the more the more you mess with them. You know, they start coming out and being the people who they really are. So, what do you do to mess with them? It could be it's just a, ver- a variety of things. It just depends on the personality. How to how to how to. Uh, you know, someone attack them, I guess. Do you ever get some, some kids who come in here, you know, they've been superstars in high school, they've been superstars in college, and now they've kind of been knocked down a peg because now they're they're all about the same? No, that's, that's what's probably good about this level. The, the, all of them know when they arrive here they're playing with all good players everywhere else. And uh, it, they're just – they are. They're genuinely eager to learn and do well, and they want to get on the field. Uh, it seems like the, the three or two and a half months that we have here uh, completely burns them out from their college, and uh, they're, they're, they're fired up and, and ready to go when they arrive here. And by the time they leave, they're, they're, they're spent, and they've given us everything they got. What's, what's the thing that you have to teach them about their bodies and nutrition and things like that to get through – the season that is a hundred, you know, at least here it's it's a little less than a hundred games. They're used to playing twenty, thirty, forty games in a season before they get here. Well, they they they, they got to learn first of all that it's almost impossible to play every day. Uh, you got you're going to be sore some days. You're going to play through some kind of little uh, fatigue. Uh, the bus rides are, are long. You get in. You sometimes you don't get enough sleep as, as you you would want. Uh, the one thing we do have here is the food. The food's wonderful. They feed us uh, three times a day. It's 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 good. The kids. When I remember when I was, I was in the minor leagues, it was, it was a struggle to find good food. Uh, these guys are. They generally get decent meals every every time. So what was it? What's the what's the difference between now in the minor leagues and when you played, other than the food? Oh, the people are the same. The kids are the same. The fields are, are a little bit better. Uh, I, I guess they've renovated most of them. The, the, when I was younger, younger they were older, uh, more dilapidated. Now they uh, uh, generate a little bit of, uh, of revenue. Uh, the, the people, the kids, the the players are the same. The names just change. Yeah, the people and the personalities are exactly the same as they were 20 years ago. Now, when, when you came out of the minors into the major leagues, you actually switched positions, didn't you? What? Correct. Uh, I was drafted as a third baseman. Uh, knew that I wasn't qualified to do that in the big leagues and feared getting released, so I switched to first base. One qualified there with a bat, so I switched to catcher. Unfortunately, that worked out real well, well for me. So, matter of fact, matter of fact, I lied to them. They asked me did I ever catch before, and I said yes. <laughs> <laughs> you had never caught before? No, I put the shin guards on wrong when I, when, I, when the first time I put them on. I put them on exactly opposite a fifty-fifty <laughs> shot, and I messed up. So does that help you? Because a lot of the kids that come here now may not be in the same position when they get to the majors or even if they get halfway through the minors. Do you have a lot of trying to figure out where people belong as opposed to where they played in the past? Uh, I think the uh, the player will kind of tell you where, where, where he belongs, his, his athleticism, his abilities, and uh, the people in the front office and the directors. They've seen so many uh, players. they they can look at a player after a number of years or a year and say, well, he's probably leaning best for this or best for that. But they give them a fair shot and uh, see what they can do. Sometimes they surprise you and do well at a position you didn't think they could. Is there any, is there any 
um, difficulty in being a minor league manager and trying to decide or put more emphasis on development versus winning? Well, everyone wants to win. It's kind of a, a, a combination of teaching to win with development. Uh, uh, the emphasis on on development rather than win uh, it's kind of a double edged sword you want you want you want them not to get used to losing but uh, you want them to train and develop and understand that we're going to take this game and we're going to we're going to do something we're going to do x with it to, to work on something today that you're you're not as good at and uh, to maybe improve so in your big league career you had the opportunity to win the mvp in of the world series and you won two world series correct yes do you do you ever bring your ring around to show the the, the guys here? No, absolutely not. I, I very seldom have it around. Uh, uh, very proud of it, but just something I don't want to flaunt and, and uh, just want to be who I am, which is right here and, and being happy. Now I have a co-host on my show uh, who grew up around the time that of the '93 World Series, and he he said I have to ask you this question: Has has anybody ever come to you in the Phillies organization and said anything to you about that '93 team? Oh, occasionally they will, and then, then I become arrogant and and uh, <laughs> bolsterous. So, you know, they'll say, "Some well, you did this," and I'll say, "Well, I'm, I'm sorry. The check was nice." <laughs> <laughs> and they hired you anyway. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so, um, what are the plans for the rest of the season? Same thing every day. Get up, uh, work, uh, uh, take your ground balls, hit, uh, have fun when you get to the field. And you, you, you can make what you want of it. Uh, I enjoy every day I'm here. If, if I were uh, at any level, I would enjoy it. And uh, I think the kids appreciate that because it is genuinely fun for me to come out and do this every day. You've had one other experience that we wanted to ask you about, which was you were in the Olympics. And I believe you're only one of four players that's ever won an Olympic gold medal and won a World Series. What, what was the Olympic experience like versus the experience of playing in the major leagues? I've thought about that, and uh, it, it, it's it's difficult to, to, to relate to relate the two. Uh, you're playing for your country in uh, the Olympics. I, I initially was reluctant about going. I was so tired at the end of the season. I said, I, I want to go home. And my wife said, huh. You know, you're not. You're going to play in the Olympics, and and I went uh, uh, with a, a little bit of reluctance because I was so tired and just ready to go home and be with my family. Uh, but when I got there, Tommy Lasorda made it important, and it's one of the most uh, enjoyable experiences I've ever had. Uh, the crowd you're going out, you represent your country. The pride you have in your country. Uh, standing here with the gold medal, I, I got the opportunity when we were on the podium. I uh, uh, we were in Sydney, and it was, I believe it was 12 hours different, so I, it, was, it was late in the evening, and I, I called my wife when we were on the podium. And fortunately, she answered. She was on the, on the way out the door. She said she was going to take the kids to school because it was early in the morning. And she said, well, I better answer see what's going on. So she answered it, and she got to hear the, uh, the, uh, our, our anthem, anthem being played while, while we were standing on the podium. And it was uh, uh, kind of helped. She was, was kind of there, and it was, it was, it, that was exciting. That was fun. How did your kids react? Uh, I have nine kids. Some of them uh, are born after 2000, and the other ones are, most of them were younger, and they didn't realize what was going on. And they're just now starting to figure out, hey, Dad was in the Olympics. And some of them, I believe one of them did ask me the other day, said, you played in the Olympics? I didn't know that. And so it, it's not something I walk around with or talk about, but uh, that someone asked one, and they generally didn't know I was in the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> are you planning on fielding your own team with your kids? 
I can, Good, I, nine I, now, I, I right? Can, I can fill the whole team. But, uh, fortunately, fortunately, or unfortunately, which way you look at it, I have six <laughs> girls. So that that it'd be have to be a part softball team, I think. Uh, that would be fun too. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's, it's a blast at the house. Uh, do they live here? Uh, we live in Florida. Okay. Uh, they had an opportunity to come up here because there's so many of them instead of doing so many different activities at home all of them are athletes and uh, during the summer that's uh, the big athletic time for the football or the baseball or softball or soccer uh, especially the college kids I got kids in college playing the, those, those sports as well so I got I got a broad broad spectrum of age 28 all the way down to five years old that's incredible well Pat thanks for joining us we Amazing. really do appreciate it we look at look forward to watching you the rest of the season enjoyed it thanks a lot so you thought it was incredible before and you still think it's incredible, Jeff? He's got nine kids. I can barely so. handle one, so <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the best example for that. That was cool. Um, it, the story about the Olympics was fascinating to me. He didn't want to play. His wife wanted him. And we don't often talk about the support of the family that these players and, and managers and athletes have. But can you imagine what it's like to call your wife while your national anthem's playing so that she can listen to it with you? I can't. I can't imagine the whole experience, but it, it just makes it more special when you can share it with the people that you care about. But I under, you know, people say when athletes don't participate in Olympics and things like that, people don't realize how worn out they are at the end of a season. So when they sit there and they say, "Well, you know, they've only been playing baseball for five months or six months. They have a half a year to," it it doesn't work like that. Your body just wears down. So you get to the end of a season, and you, the last thing you want to do is be going and playing in another competition. You just want to go home and be with your family and kind of recover. And And his wife convinced him to do it, and it turned out to be an amazing experience for I, him. I didn't quite hear much sympathy for the crushing of my kid dreams. No, I, I, I didn't get it. <laughs> Look, he, he, got, he got a bigger check, as he pointed out, and he got to win a World Series. So I, I doubt he was concerned that, gee, someday I may be the minor league manager for one and of the teams. Jason's going to be really upset. Yeah, that's right. So um, it, it just uh, – He's a great. He's he he is. I I mean, you had fun with great, him. He, he was, and and he shared a lot. I mean, it's not every day that you hear. I mean, self preservation mode. He should be the definition of. This is a guy who gets drafted as a third baseman. Recognizes that he's not going to lies that he's played a yeah. position. Well, before. first first he recognizes he's not going to make it to the majors as a third baseman. So he says, "Hey, I'll go play first base." Then recognizes he's not going to make it there, and he just says, "Okay, I'll just wing it." And play the hard, and I'll just say I played the hardest position there is to play, and and somehow spent like eighteen years in Major League Baseball, including being a World Series MVP. It, it's it's amazing that he was able to persevere and make That's it. Why you're always asked, can you do this? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah don't <laughs> don't say no. The worst thing that happens is you try it and you look like a fool, but at least you got to try it, right? And Jeff knows what it's like to try and look like a fool, so it's all good all the time. <laughs> all right, so. Cole Irvin tweeted on July 19th, whether you're a part of baseball or not, the most exciting time of year is the trade deadline. What's going to happen next? Mm -hmm. Who, if you're an, another organization, you know, the Phillies are looking at Zach Britton with the Orioles still as a closer. They're, you know, you hear Mike Moustakas' name. You hear other players out there, Nick Castellanos. If James you're, Josh Donaldson. If you're another team scouting the Phillies organization, what are you asking for at this point? And if you're the Phillies, what are you not willing to give up? Well, the, for it's the same answer for both, um, really. As far you start with 
if you're another team, Sixto Sanchez. It's and okay, I'll be the Phillies. No, right. Let's let's move but, on. But see, I I don't I just don't buy that anymore. I, I you know at some point you have to take a risk. And I it think depends they... on what it is. I mean, Machado was to me, go ahead and do it. How, however, unless they just know that he's going to come back at the end of the season, I still probably would have done it because they have pitchers. They seem to have bought into the Sixto hype. Well, it's not hi- it is not hype. I've seen him pitch. He, um, he is he is a, assuming he doesn't get hurt. That's a big yeah. assumption, but I'm just saying uh, and I I'm not saying he does or doesn't have that value, but the team itself seems to have bought into the hype around the one him. I, the one I really don't understand yet and I've seen him pitch a couple times is Adonis Medina, who is what the supposedly was they finally re- said, "Okay, we'll give him to you." He has not dominated at any level yet. I asked you if you're okay with them doing that, and you couldn't write back yes <laughs> yep, fast enough. <laughs> I think is what, it was my exact quote. <laughs> Your text came back yeah. faster than I sent the question. <laughs> but but if if I'm another team and I'm giving up uh, a Moustakis or somebody like that, I'd ask for Sixto, and then I would start from there. I would want Cole Irvin. Quite frankly, I mean, he's he's major league ready at this point. He's got nothing else to prove. Now, would you do that if you're the Phillies? I mean, you've got well, kind of a glut of pitchers coming up. I believe it or not, you're gonna your eyeballs are gonna pop out of your head. I'd re- I'd rather give up Daniel De Los Santos. Get out of here. I'm dead serious. Why? Uh, b- because I'm I'm not sold that he's that he's more than a what they call a quadruple A pitcher, which is a, a guy who. Who does really well at AAA, but may not be. So you're not sold on him so far as a major league. Not because of his performance. I mean, I just I don't think that he's dominant at AAA. And I'm not saying Irvin is, but Irvin's got there's there's a certain physique that I like in a pitcher because it's more the horse. Like, and I'm going to use Jared Eichhoff as an example, which is a bad example, I guess, because he's been hurt, but. To me, that's what you want. You want these guys with the lower body, the thick legs, the Roger Clemens type that can just push off. Body analysis by Jeff Cohen. No, but it is important (laughs) because those guys don't suffer arm injuries as much. Because they don't throw with their arms. They throw with their their legs. And and so Cole Irvin is a guy that I I want. I don't know what they're waiting for, especially since they haven't had a left-handed starter in two years. And I think for a guy like Gabe Kapler who is so worried about – analytics and having different arm angles and different different you know views for f- so that batters don't get comfortable why is it that he doesn't see that we have five right-handed now six right-handed starters i don't get it unless they're saying that jojo romero Are you is for an answer or no i'm not i mean i'd like an answer <laughs> from the phillies from you i don't want the answer but but Irvin I'll just let is, you do this show. Yeah, I'll sit here. But, but Irvin is a guy that I would ask for. I, I would also ask for Jalen Ortiz, who started off the season slow and is is still down in Lakewood. Well, let's talk about Lakewood first. Let's up. talk about Lakewood for a second. Seventeen and nine in the second half, best record, and uh, already won the first half. Ortiz kind of on fire in the second half here. Two ninety five, sixteen RBIs, four home runs, five doubles, and a nine oh two OPS. I mean, what more could you ask of the guy? And so you'd be willing to give him up? No, no. Well, you no. You, I was answering your question about if I were another team, what I would That's be asking ask for. for. Okay. Yes, because I think he's one of the better hitters they have. They don't have many advanced hitters in Double A AA and Triple A. 
it's it's now that Adam Hazley's there, Derek Hall and Austin Listy are there, who recently came up from Clearwater. They have a little more, but at AAA, it's kind of older hitters. If you're going to tell me that Dylan Cousins is is the next fill in the blank, I'm not buying. You just think it. he strikes I, out too much. I've never bought it. I I I just I don't see him as a major league. I hope he proves me wrong. I thought they were going to try and include him in a deal. Yeah, but people see what I mean. Look at, and you would think he would fit more in this day and age because it seems that strikeouts are perfectly don't acceptable matter. there. But it don't it's, matter. It's a lot of strikeouts, and it's and he is he's a he's a physical specimen. He's an athlete. This guy could have played tight end in the NFL. I mean, he's just a big, strong, fast guy. But being an athlete doesn't make you a baseball player. Speaking of being an athlete, Roman Quinn uh, had a rehab start yesterday. Went one for two. With a walk, a stolen base, and two runs for Clearwater. They're now in third place in the Florida State League. Yep. And uh, as far as Roman Quinn goes, uh, yeah, you know, I, I put it on our Twitter account. Don't sleep on him. Because I think that when that roster They're going to bring him up for speed off the bench. Assuming he doesn't get hurt again. Yeah, I think so too. He, he can hit. He can field really well. He can run. And he can run. And having a pinch runner like that is something that you just don't want to miss out on yeah he can wreak a little see him being there he can wreak a little havoc on the on yeah. the base now I, now the other thing i heard with all these trades is that adam hazley was somebody that the orioles wanted now adam has as we've talked about has kind of moved through the system quickly, quickly. he was a first round pick last year he was i think he was the eighth overall pick started as a pitcher and a hitter now he's focusing just on hitting in the phillies organization. in eight games at reading he was the player of the week he's batting 304 with two home runs two doubles three rbis can't do much more than that Jeff. yeah the eastern league player of the week he was the whole league's player of the week in the first week he got up there so it's he looks like he naturally belongs there and as far as hitters go again if I were the Phillies and they asked and I got Machado in return, as much as I want to see Hazley in a Phillies uniform someday, you'd have done that. I would have done it. Uh, Cornelius Randolph, who we had our interview with last week, playing well in July. Three fifty-eight, three doubles, a homer, five RBIs, ten walks, and a nine thirty-two OPS. You, see, but this, you know, we have there are certain people who reach out to us and give us a hard time and throw stats in our face and. My answer is always pretty much the same, isn't it? Which is you have to be patient with these guys. If you want to make a judgment based on a, a month or two months, you go ahead. There's a reason that there's all these levels of minor league baseball, and it's for development of different parts of your game. And Cornelius Randolph is starting to be able to develop. By the way, as is Mickey Moniak. Give me your Mickey Moniak <laughs> update. What's going on? With, you can give me what's going on with Mickey? I, I just think he's doing well. He's not gonna. I still don't think he's ever gonna be a power hitter, but he's got four home runs now. Uh, I know people are gonna go whoop de doo, but he's he's starting to hit better and he's hitting consistently. And we'll see what happens when he gets to Double A. That... I would challenge him at the end of the year. I, I mean, I. I would, when we get to August, if I were the Phillies, I'd move them up to the That's going to be our last word for the week. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure to join us next Friday night as we help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week.